0: up world it's your past first point guard and trailblazer reporter mike Richmond. listen to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts and also on youtube so why don't you make this show your first listen every single day because it's free on all platforms five days a week coming at you every single weekday make it a part of your daily routine make your first listen and tell your friends to do the same today's show is going to be a fun one Jackson Gatlin of Locked on Rockets is going to join a little bit later on in the program, and we are going to talk about a potential Christian Wood swap, a trade I cooked up last week, and uh, then I'm going to pitch to Jackson and see from a per- perspective of someone who covers the Rockets on a daily basis for a variety of outlets, what Jackson thinks of that particular deal. Uh, first, a little bit of like minor Blazers news up top, basically some some reporting I want to touch on. Jake Fisher of, of Bleach Report uh, had had some... had a article come out today talking about the um, two of the biggest free agents that are going to be on the market. DeAndre Ayton and Zach Levine, two players we've talked about specifically. In fact, if you're looking for like full episodes dedicated to how the Blazers could acquire Zach Levine or how the Blazers could acquire DeAndre Ayton that are waiting in your feed behind this one, or if you're a subscriber on YouTube there, just check out my channel and you'll find full videos on both of those. But uh, the the sort of the, the reporting suggests more of the same. The Blazers are in on both of those guys. I don't really think the 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 path to either of them, like to be to be clear and to be simple, like the Blazers would have to waive so many players that signing either of them outright in free agency using Cap Space is basically a non-starter. So if you're talking about acquiring either of those players, you're talking about a sign and trade. I think Zach Levine is just um it's just not gonna happen. I don't think the Blazers have it doesn't, it wouldn't make sense necessarily if the Blazers cashed in Amphrey Simons to go sign Zach Levine when they could just like bank on homegrown Amphrey Simons, whom, whom they love, like they, whom the team really loves. They're, they're going to, I would, I am, I do not believe the team is interested in, in pursuing Zach Levine. I think that Zach Levine's agents are interested in Zach Levine getting um, the market being a little more frothy for him. Uh, I, that doesn't mean that he won't leave Chicago. I just, I think the Blazers are um, in some ways leverage here. They're interested in, in him. You know, I'm, I'm not questioning Fisher's reporting, but my read on the Blazers situation is that I don't think they have real interest in him. The DeAndre Ayton stuff seems more real. And the DeAndre Ayton stuff, similar to Zach Levine, would be a sign and trade. It would be a sign and trade based around almost certainly use of Nurk. You wouldn't keep both of those gentlemen on the roster. So even if you, um, you know, you just don't pay two starting centers in the league, there's teams that don't even want to pay one, uh, like the Suns perhaps. But uh, it would be centered around a sign and trade for Nurk, Nurk and stuff for DeAndre Ayton. The problem is, and I think this is w- what I want to touch on real quick here, is that other teams if like Aiden is a big name he's a really good player like he's 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 has his issues but he's like such an efficient offensive player and if he ever kind of puts a uh, sort of more consistency um around his uh around his intensity going forward and I still think he's going to be really good even if he plays with like engine revving at the current level it revs at like I'm, I'm a pretty big believer in his offensive game uh like, he's a big name, and he's going to—someone is going to pay DeAndre in the max. It's just, will it be Phoenix or will it be someone else? Or will he agree to Phoenix and then be traded in a sign-and-trade? Uh, but if other teams are going to pursue this person, if, if other teams are going to pursue Aiden, they can have better—they can put together probably better packages than the Blazers. I think that's the real thing. The the one thing about a sign-and-trade is, like, Aiden would have to agree. If he chooses—you know, if, if it works out for both teams and they make it happen— uh, Aiden will have some choice in where he goes, but one of the things that uh, that Fisher brings up in his story, it's on Bleacher Report. You should check, check it out. Uh, J- Jake Elf at Jake L Fisher on Twitter, uh, and and just search Jake Fisher on Bleacher Report. You, you will find the story. In fact, I'll link it below in this uh, in in this very episode. But the discussion is basically that the the Pistons are also interested and there's a pot- potential sign and trade for Jeremy Grant and DeAndre Ayton that could be, you know, in the works and make sense for both teams. Uh, you know, part of it is the Suns don't really want to pay a center and, like, every team needs more wings. Like, you might say, oh, that's a logjam of wings, but, like, I think just, like, Having Jake Crowder move to the bench and starting Jeremy Grant makes the the Suns better and deeper. Every team needs more 6'8 athletes. Um, I do not see that as a logjam. I see that as a luxury. And perhaps the Suns, um, the reporting for Fisher suggests that they just don't want to pay a center $30 million. And they'd be willing to pay perhaps someone at another position slightly less money because... Uh, Jamie Grant's max is only 28 million annually, so that could help. But all of this is to say is that I think the Blazers are still certainly in in the game for Aiton, which is exciting because he's a really good player and he'd be um, an upgrade at center for them for sure. But it's just that if the market is really maybe as as going to get as aggressive as they can, that the Blazers are there's potential for them to be outbid, and there's potential for them to be outbid by a team like Detroit, who they've you know discussed plenty of potential deals with. None of this is real new news, but it is like some reporting here that I wanted to make sure, you know, it's it, Jake Jake Fisher does a good job, so it this is sort of your latest Blazers rumors and I wanted to make sure today you had the latest Blazers rumors on tap. The the, the reporting all around the team is just like they're going to be active in pursuit. And that's what I wanted to like highlight here. The, there's some reporting they'll be active in pursuing Zach Levine. I don't really think they will, but sure, there's some, there's some reporting that suggests they will. There's a lot of reporting that suggests they'll be active in pursuit of DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I, I, think there's some, I think there's some truth to that for sure. Like it's, Portland is going to go for it, and they're going to go for it in the trade market because they want vets that can help. That means that they're probably not going to use their number seven overall pick in the draft on selecting a, a rookie that they're going to use that as a trade chip to get better. And last week, I proposed a couple fake trade ideas, and one of them was a swap with the Houston Rockets. And what I want to do in the second segment is play my conversation with Jackson Gatlin. He stopped by and I pitched him a potential trade of the Rockets in which the Blazers would acquire Christian Wood. And then I tried to beef it up and get the Blazers even better in the swap. So that's what we'll do to close the show is a uh, a little hypothetical Christian Wood trade talk. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Bill Bar, the best tasting protein bar that there is uh, right now upstairs my cabinet. I got a peanut butter brownie bar. I really love these built Bars. Uh, I've been eating them for a long time and telling about, telling you about them for a long time. I like them because they're covered in 100% chocolate. They give you the little sugar fix you you during the day, but they also pack a punch. On average, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and just 4 net carbs. The the, the protein for caloric intake trade-off, without being hyper-sugary but still giving you a little sweet fix, you're just not going to find a better protein bar. So don't go looking for one. Instead, go to built.com, see all the flavors you got. Find out what you like and order more from there. And while you're doing that, use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Oh All right. Let me drop you into my conversation with Jackson Gatlin. This one's a lot of fun as we discuss a potential trade for Christian Wood. Joining me, host of Locked on Rockets, none other than jackson gatlin himself
1: jackson thanks for joining us happy to be here on the program mike ready to talk about some uh some hypotheticals here and there
0: yeah it is fake trade season in my prison (laughs) in my prison of of blazers off season so here's where here's how we got here uh last this is uh uh Last week, a couple weeks ago, uh, depending depending on when you were listening to this, dear listeners, in a previous episode, I think this may be the best way to say this. In a previous episode, I pitched five trades uh, for the Blazers to trade back and get better. And I'm kind of tracking down the hosts of those various teams to pitch my trades to you. And then we can kind of suss out how close I got to it being realistic. I, I get that you're not Rafa Stone. You are, um, if you were, it, it would be super cool for you joining the program, but like... <laughs> I think you have a good sense of what the Rockets might do, right? So um, you can give me your takes on this stuff, kind of your personal opinion and what you think the franchise might do. So let me, let me just start pitching this trade. Uh, the, to, to sort of set the stage, the Blazers have the seventh pick in the NBA draft. They are seemingly very unlikely to use it and they're headed or they're probably looking for some sort of veteran help. Uh, The names they've been linked to are forwards because they don't have any of those on the roster. The Rockets, they've got some of those. And the trade that I proposed was giving the Rockets the seventh pick in the NBA draft in exchange for forward Christian Wood and the 17th pick, in the draft. If you need sweetener, the Blazers would will be willing, at least my, my version of the Blazers would be willing to throw in the 36th pick in the draft. So you get an early second rounder. So that'd be seven and 36 for Christian Wood and 17. And the Blazers have a traded player exception that they can absorb Christian Wood into. You wouldn't need to give back salary. Uh, the, this trade would go down after the draft, technically agreed to on draft night, but after the draft because the Blazers can't trade a
1: pick before the draft. What do you think? I think. Honestly, from the Rockets perspective, this is probably as close to like a slam dunk deal as you get when it comes to value back for Christian Wood, a guy whose future with the organization is already pretty murky just because... Right after the post James Harden era, Houston Rockets started to coalesce. And you're like, okay, like got John Wall and Christian Wood and Victor Oladipo somehow. Like what, you know, are we going to be this like scrappy, like seven, eight seed, like defensive oriented, like what's going on here. And then that completely derailed Christian Wood got injured and the Rockets became the worst team in the NBA. And then they doubled down on that and did it again this past season. So There's a lot of question marks about Christian Wood's future fit with the organization. How does his timeline mesh with the rest of this Rockets, quote-unquote, young core? Now they've got guys like Jalen Green and Alper and Shagoon in the mix, basically just kids, right, teenagers at this point. You've got Christian Wood, who's 26 years old. He's not over the hill by any stretch of the imagination, but his timeline does not really match well with the rest of the Rockets' young guys. I think this trade, moving up 10 spots – From 17 to seven and basically being able to guarantee yourself one of those tier two prospects in this draft, right? Because you've got kind of all the tier one guys in the three big man prospects and then kind of like Jaden Ivy and then maybe depending on how you talk to Shaden Sharp being lumped in with that bunch as well. Then you move on to those tier two guys. And I genuinely think that at pick 17, you might just run out of some of those really like clear cut tier two prospects right before you get to pick 17. And I genuinely think the Rockets organization is going to do everything in their power to move up from 17 this year. And really the nail in the coffin here, Mike, on this trade is the fact that they've got to decide what they're going to do with Christian Wood, because it doesn't matter if you're taking home Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren. Or Palo Banquero, you're going to have to clear out space in the front court somehow if you're the Houston Rockets to get minutes for the number three overall pick, whoever it may be, Alper and Shingun, Usman Garuba, who is practically right. shelved all of last season. So they need to start consolidating their assets. And if you were to come to me with that trade, seven and thirty-six for seventeen and Christian Wood, I would I would drive down to downtown Houston, wherever Christian Wood's apartment is, and start packing his bags for him.
0: Well, to be clear, I don't even like Christian Wood. I I don't think he's bad. Um, But sell me on it. He's entering the final year of his contract. Like, convince me I'm wrong. Uh, You might also agree. But, um, you know, he's in the final year of his contract making 14 million bucks, kind of a good deal for someone who's been as productive as him. But the numbers for me when I watch him don't line up with someone who is like, you know, he averaged like twenty and ten, and then seventeen and ten in back-to-back seasons, shooting thirty-eight percent from three. What
1: am I missing, Jackson? So I think the the issue with Christian Wood is kind of twofold. In that he was brought in to be an ancillary piece to James Harden, right, and and essentially to be an ancillary piece to James Harden and and Russell Westbrook, and then that just completely like unraveled in the span of like a fortnight. So. He was never meant to be like the number one option on a team. And then he became that overnight when the Rockets hit their kind of transitional rebuild period. And then I think that mentality was hard for him to kind of table as these young guys were coming in, as you've got the future face of the franchise in Jalen Green and potentially having to kind of pass the reins over to him where he was kind of this like holdover piece from what the Rockets were trying to previously achieve. I think if you put Christian Wood on a team with a clear-cut alpha in somebody like a Damian Lillard, who he is just like, okay, that is the guy, he's right. the go-to man. I play second fiddle, third fiddle, fourth fiddle to him. So we're probably
0: fourth fiddle. Is probably he okay fourth, with fourth fiddle?
1: I, and that's been my biggest question with Christian Wood is can he buy into a role where he – is able to just kind of stay in his lane and excel at what he does best, which he is a phenomenal three-point shooting big. And he's actually a really capable perimeter defender. The issue for the Rockets largely this past season is they run Christian Wood at the five and they run an undersized Jay Tate at the four. So the defense is largely in shambles. But if you were to put Christian Wood at the four next to a use of Nurkic possibly, then he gets to do what he does best defensively, which is he's a capable switchy defender, right? He can keep up with some twitchier, like faster, smaller players out on the perimeter and do so pretty well. And then offensively, if he buys into the role of not necessarily having the offense run through him at times, but just being that spot-up guy on the perimeter, attacking off closeouts, and this is the big one for me, is not tunnel visioning when he's attacking off closeouts. He does have a pretty strong ability to get to the foul line and create opportunities like that. His free throw shooting has been in the tank, though, and it's quite unfortunate for a guy who can shoot the three ball as well yes, as
0: Yeah, 63% two years ago, 62% this year for a guy who's shot like uh, 38% from three on over on like whatever, 800 attempts. The it last time I remember a guy like this, it,
1: w- it was like Josh Smith, right? Like Josh right. Smith could hit the three ball, couldn't shoot worth a lick at the free throw line. And you were just like puzzled. Like what's, is it a mental thing or a routine thing? So needs to become a better free throw shooter. But ultimately I think some of his deficiencies as a player are actually overblown because of the situation that he's in with the Houston Rockets. And I do think given a fresh, you know, fresh, you know, fresh coat of paint, fresh, fresh scenery, if you will, on a team that's actually vying for trying to get back into the playoff picture with more of an established player that he can play behind and not necessarily be like the the pseudo number one option on a team with a lot of like uncertainty about, okay, who's, who's really the number one option, right? Is it KPJ? Is it Jalen Green? Is it Christian Wood? You've got EG hanging out over here and he's clearly right. the most talented player of the bunch and the most established player, but he's basically babysitting a bunch of kids. So there weren't a lot of things played to Christian Wood's favor, but that 2010 is real. And his ability to be at least a positive presence defensively as both a weak side defender and help defender, as well as his ability to switch on to smaller players on the perimeter is legit. He can't guard bigs at all. Don't expect right. he's, to, not, like, he, if you he's throw- not
0: strong enough to guard no. fives. That's my big beef with him is that he's yeah. like, so let me ask you, let me just ask you the question. What, what position is he like? What position does he play?
1: So. It's so tough. I think he's a four, right? He's a four. I he's agree. almost maybe even a three. Like when you look at it, like he maybe but he's maybe slow. a bit of like, well, and th- that's the, that's the part where you struggle because offensively for him to garner that true, like offensive advantage, at least being able to like attack off closeouts is you would like him to be slotted at the five. So he's got other slower, bigger players, you know, right. that have to run out and contest the three. And then he gets to attack off the closeouts there. Whereas if you put a wing defender on Christian Wood, he doesn't have the sand in his pants to go down low and take advantage of them. And he doesn't have the, the downhill foot speed to like take somebody off the dribble. If they're Now he can kind of get his shoulders past them. He's good at initiating contact, but you kind of neutralize him a little bit offensively if you're not playing him at the five, but you give up so much defensively if he's at the five. Right. Now I do think there's a world where if you're not running him at the five full time, maybe some spurts here and there throughout a game, 12 minutes here and there. If the other team goes small, he's a great option to run as a small ball five. And then you're not giving up that much defensively. And you're kind of accentuating his strengths on the offensive end. It ultimately all boils down to, can he accept a slightly different role? And I do think having an established like pecking order and a star, a legitimate star an established player ahead of him would really go a long way in what he could provide to a team. All right.
0: i I, th- I think I remain skeptical um but some listeners have pitched this to me as their ideal trade so I want to hear from someone who's watched him super closely over the last you know few seasons to kind of figure out what he is today's show is also brought to you by bet online more lines more props more odds than Ever before, you can get in on the action on whatever sport you're into, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, the MLS season, the NWS season, the MLB season, uh, combat sports, whatever you're looking for, you're gonna find everything. And you can bet, you know, pregame. You can make futures bets on on champions or MVPs, depending on what league you're betting on. Or you can live bet in games, quarter by quarter, half by half, whatever you're looking for, you're gonna find the action on Bet Online. So don't wait. Go take advantage today. That's Bet Online. Line where the game starts still a pass first point guard still Mike Richmond. you are still listening to Locked on Blazers let me drop you back into more of my conversation with Jackson Gatlin the host of Locked on Rockets so there's two other parts of this two other elements one Rockets fans are desperate to get Eric Gordon the hell up out of there and send him to Portland there's not a good way to make that money work but like let's just like get into like super hypothetical world. Is Jay Sean Tate ungettable? Cause he seems like the kind of guy who would fit what Portland needs. If they were to take on EG, is there, is there a route there without, we don't need to get into like cap specifics, but like, is that realistic ask?
1: So the, the Rockets are certainly not in a position to need to jettison EG in the sense of like, Oh, they're going to attach an asset or attach a Jay Sean Tate to get rid of Eric. He would have. Cause they, cause they would have, they, they, in fact, it was reported that they had offers of first round picks for Eric Gordon at this past NBA trade deadline. But the problem was they didn't want to take on any additional future first in this year's 2022 NBA draft. They wanted future first round draft capital because they already have two picks in this year's draft in the first round at three and 17 now, and they've got a roster chock full of young guys. They're going right. to have to start consolidating. They didn't want to add another rookie to this bunch and sure. walk away with three first round draft picks. So unfortunately, there were no future firsts on the table for EG. They're not in a position where they feel that they need to deal EG. In fact, they're actually really uh, you know, appreciative of the role that he's kind of bought into as being this kind of veteran mentor for these young guys. He's honestly the happiest that he's been in a while. And I, and I know that both from just within the Rockets organization, as well as just interacting with Eric Gordon, myself throughout media availabilities and whatnot, he has bought into this role of Like he's happy where he's at, like mentoring these young guys. He's building a brand new house in Houston. Like he is committed if the organization wants to keep him. Now that said, if a a good enough offer came along where a team, you know, wants to offer a future first, then I think the Rockets are going to entertain that. But they're also going to do right by Eric Gordon. That's been the mantra for general manager Rafael Stone since taking over for Daryl Morey and kind of, I think, amending some of the previous imagery and kind of the sense that players and Uh, other organizations got from the Rockets was this, you know, perspective of like, they don't really care about the players. They're just viewing them as assets. And, you know, they don't really care about how trades impact them or what it means. Rafael Stone has sent every player who was like a vet who didn't want to be a part of this rebuild. He has sent them exactly where they wanted to go. He's dealt P.J. Right. Tucker at his desired location, Victor Oladipo, the list goes on and on and on.
0: Yeah, got cut a guy like Ben McLemore and said, you want to, like, if you want to go, go and let him join a bad Lakers team, but at least like let him go join a playoff team, right? Like exactly. they have, um, they've treated,
1: they've treated humans like humans, which is a, it's a big step in this uh, very strange asset world. But uh, to your point about Jay Sean Tate, Jay Sean Tate's not, ungettable to me like he I do think the Rockets organization enjoys what he brings to the table and I do think they view him kind of on a separate tier from Christian Wood even though they're both 26 years old I think they, they lumped Jay Sean Tate in with the possible like younger core of the Houston Rockets. When they did their exit interviews, they did all the veterans like the night of the final game of the season. And then they lumped in Jay Sean Tate with the rest of the young core. So take that information <laughs> they, they as him. you will. They, they did them with the not getting traded group. Ex- uh. Exactly, right. So that that can be you know taken away from that. But at the same time, There are certain limitations to Jay Sean Tate's game through two years. He hasn't gotten that three ball to a place where it's reliable and consistent, but he brings you so many other things, you know, defense, offensive playmaking, versatility, guarding one through five. He's a bit undersized, but he makes up for it by playing tenacious defense. He's a great cutter. He can play off ball. You can put the ball in his hands and he can get downhill and create. There's so many things that he does, but ultimately the shooting is what's kind of holding him back from becoming like a premier three and D player. I think he could be had for the right price. I don't know if you'd be able to say, lump him in with, you know, a C wood deal, you know, and just jumping up 10 spots. I think if you're looking at maybe right. a trade where you don't get back, pick number 17, if, if you're just willing to part with pick number seven and it's some kind, con- some permutation of Christian wood, Jay Sean Tate, uh, in that capacity for pick number seven, I think the Rockets would probably be willing to listen to that offer. And then maybe they then toy around with packaging 17 and seven to move even further up. If there's somebody right. that they want to, uh, to, to tackle in the, in the rest of the the top of the list.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, I should say it's like, I've, I've already been a hater. So if your listeners come across this, like I, I like Jason, Jade. I, I think he's really good. Um, and I think Eric Gordon has been, um, one of the more underrated players in the league for a, for a while. He's, um, he's been re- he was really useful when the rockets were championship level good um and he's he's not that anymore but he's not too far removed from that level of of play um but and i'm glad to see he's building a house putting down roots right there in in uh, clutch city uh yeah i think i think the ideal for the blazers would be end up with both wood and tate um i think something where you get two nba like starting level forwards for seven is cl- as close to as good as it gets for the Blazers. Uh, I, I'm not sure that this, you know, you don't, you might not be able to check all the boxes with one trade, but if you can get on the phone and start building the parameters and say, the Blazers also have a 2025 20, pick from the bucks. And it's like, could you make seven and another first or, but it's two first too rich for the Blazers. Like, I think you get there. I think you get on the phone. Um, I think this gets you close. I think the Christian Wood deal checks some of the boxes the Blazers needs they desperately need a dude who can play four in the league and I think next to Nurk his deficiencies are hidden a little bit it's not perfect for everybody but I think this one is I think the basic parameters that I pitched you just judging on what you've told me I have it, it is pretty realistic and at least something the Rockets would really entertain and if they'd really entertain that first part you might be able to ask for sweeteners like a really good defensive forward who maybe becomes a standstill three-point shooter at one point in his life. And then you've got a really good player in Jay Sean Tate.
1: Yeah, no. And the fact, again, Mike, the fact that you and I are kind of on the same wavelength here, as far as like you kind of perusing around the NBA, looking at what teams might have something to offer. The fact that looking throughout the lottery, you know, I immediately like saw Portland. I was like, let's shoot out the bat signal. Like what trade can, can be had with the Portland Trailblazers because they're in this position where they either have to, Like move on from Dame and really strip it down to the nuts and bolts and actually like go headfirst into a rebuild or truly retool around Damian Lillard. And it sounds like from everything you're saying that seventh pick is going to be gone and they want the best possible return for it. And getting two starting caliber NBA wings or, you know, wings, Christian Wood, tweener, whatever you want to call
0: it. Like I said, I don't know what position he plays, but whatever position he might play.
1: Exactly. You know, getting back two guys like that and for the Rockets to be able to, again, that consolidation element is what I think is going to start to rear its ugly head if you're the Houston Rockets, because they have to figure something out. Because if they're about to have John Wall sit out another calendar year, then they've got 14 roster spots to play with. They're already under a roster crunch because you're essentially leaving one spot to have the highest paid assistant coach in NBA history. Just be there for a quarter of the games. If that
0: has let eat your heart out.
1: There we go. Pretty much, man. (laughs)
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, if, if my listeners want to catch more of Jackson Gatlin, just find Locked on Rockets wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. He's doing a great job. Tons of fun. And gives you it gives you a ton of insight. Jackson, thanks for
1: hanging out. I appreciate you. Always a pleasure, Mike. Happy to be on the program.
0: Thanks again to Jackson for joining the show. If you haven't listened, go check out Locked on Rockets. Make it your second listen every single day because your first listen is going to be Locked on Blazers five days a week free wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.